0: hi and welcome to girls night out where it's actually girls morning out and jen and i i'm Chriselle. um we are actually hiding in a room at co-op um we we homeschool our kids and once every two weeks we have homeschool co-op and so we're hiding in a room nursing our coffee this morning um And we have a toddler with us, so you might hear him chime in every now and then. Um, We had intended this morning to talk about um, anxiety because Jen's been reading this book. What's the book called, Jen? Uh, It's Freeing Your Child from Anxiety. Okay. And interestingly enough, um, as as we were getting ready to start recording the podcast, I got a text from my 16-year-old who, um, texted me and said that her building at school was being evacuated. And, um, this is the second time this year, it's January. This is the second time this school season that, um, they've either had a lockdown or an evacuation at her school. Um, and this school is a small public school. It's not known for being in like a bad side of town or, um, being a particularly rough school, um, and this is the sec- second time this year, so, you know, th- there's no wonder why kids have so much anxiety.
1: Yeah, I was reading, like, a, I don't know if you'd call it a study or what, but in that book, Freeing Your Child from Anxiety, it was talking about how they're finding that kids today apparently have a baseline stress level, so, like, where they're operating at on the regular, Um, Kids who aren't diagnosable with anxiety, so just typical kids operating at a baseline stress level that's the equivalent to the level that people were institutionalized for in the 50s. So, you know, the point that they were making is that things have really changed, and even the kids who,
0: quote, don't have anxiety are still having to contend with a lot more stress. And what was their reasoning for that? Like, what are some of the things... Obviously, we kids now, even in elementary school, are having to deal with drills for school shootings and things like that. Exactly.
1: Um, Cancers, um, teachers and loved ones that are ill. um, Like you're saying, school shootings seems like every time you turn around um there's a new piece of information that it's almost forced for us to share. They're having to grow up and hear about things that in the past they wouldn't have heard of, but
0: maybe once in their childhood. Yeah. And it's a delicate balance because you want to you want to prepare your kids for situations adequately and at the same time you don't want to induce anxiety. Exactly. And how do you do that? How do you um, walk that, that line between the two. It's, it's really hard to navigate.
1: Yeah. I know, um, for me, my dad was, a um, a homicide cop in Metro-Dade before I was born and then became a private investigator. And so it was pretty common talk around the dinner table to hear of situations that were, not necessarily the norm. They were were a little on the extreme side. And so um, I know that my parents were desperately wanting and trying to prepare me for anything that was possible. Um, But I was a pretty anxious kid and um, definitely went through a lot of times of fear, uh, especially at night. So now in my adulthood, I'm kind of getting to navigate that as the mom. And it is so hard. I really have compassion on my parents. Um, they did a great job, and um, so whatever I can do to kind of glean from their mistakes and take from the things that they did really well, um, I guess is kind of our goal, right? You just yeah try to look back and do it a little better, and hopefully every generation is
0: up in the game. Up in the game. Yeah.
1: So in the in that book, freeing your child from anxiety, it talks about teaching your
0: kid to separate anxiety from themselves. And you're reading the book because one of your kids is dealing with anxiety on a pretty significant level, um, so much so that it's affecting his daily life. Yes. And so your his counselor yes. advised you to read this book and apply some of the principles yes. at home. So yeah. that's why you're reading it. Exactly. And she told me that it was really practical, which is kind of like... A keyword
1: for me if you say it's practical that basically means I can actually use it and so since it's a book that she uses it means that as I'm reading it I'll be on the same page as her to whatever level I can be I mean I won't become a professional by reading it but right (laughs) it'll give me some insight so so anyway it's telling you to basically teach your kid um, to separate the worry from themselves which I love as a Christian because you know biblically our identity is not these things that we experience,
0: right? And that goes along with kind of the teaching that we've received at our church. You know, we 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 attend a healing church, so we do a lot of healing prayer ministry and um, prayer counseling. And we've been taught that when you're dealing with things that you you don't own them, you don't say things like my anxiety or my depression or my cancer or whatever you, um, and it's not that you, um, it's not the whole name and claim it thing where you, you don't acknowledge right. that they exist. And I just, I just pretend like I don't have them and they, they just go away, but you just don't own them. Right. You recognize that there's something outside of your identity. They're not part of who you are.
1: Yeah. Right? I think that's a really important, um, discernment there because, it's not that we're saying that this isn't happening. It's not that we're just like sticking our head in the sand and saying, my kid's not anxious because I say it's not right. But it is true that I don't have to say, you know, my kid is anxious. I I can say my kid has anxiety, you know, just things like that. And I mean, I think everybody has to pray about it and it's not, it's not to be like caught up and, and, um, to induce more worry and anxiety in us worrying about how we talk about it. But just, you know, if you kind of tune in and, and tune your ear to hear those things, they start to stand out to you. Right. I remember when this stuff became new and it was like, I heard it all the time, all the things that people were saying without even meaning to, it was like constant.
0: Not, not, not realizing that they're constantly owning something and making it a part of who they are. Exactly. Instead of, something that they deal with right it's it becomes part of their that, the makeup of who they are yes right yeah so so yeah so this
1: book you know not um not even coming from a, a jesus perspective is is basically teaching that same concept like scientifically saying um that you know you can say <clears throat> um the anxiety or the worry bug or you know whatever it it did talk about saying my worry brain which i probably won't use that phrase right. because i do feel like that's some ownership there right. um but saying you know use my logical brain or my intelligence brain i don't remember the exact wording um but so one the, you know the first practical takeaway that i'm going to use with my child who struggles with anxiety is the idea of okay you, you know, you're telling me this, this thought that you have and I can't just fix it for you because right. if I'm the one who fixes your anxiety, situation, symptoms, see I still do it, your anxiety, it's right. tricky,
0: um, then you're dependent on me. Right. So if, if you're necessary in the equation, then you're always necessary in the equation. So if you're missing in the equation, you're then they're stuck they're stuck right and and so the the goal is to teach them to regulate the situation themselves yeah so like taking yourself out of the equation as much as possible yes and inserting jesus and them right into the equation more right and more.
1: which i love because you know kind of the psychology idea is like almost all the way there it's like mm-hmm taking me out of the equation and right. making you independent. But then it's like Christians, self-regulation. Exactly. Right, And then as Christians, we add in Jesus and right. it's also, but you're never alone. Right. You're right. not doing this by yourself. Right. You don't need me to walk you through it all the time. I have to help you grow into your independence right. with God.
0: Which is our goal as parents in everything, right? Is, you know, in everything, hopefully, we're always pointing our children back to Jesus as the one that they can depend on who's always there no matter what they're going through whether it's anxiety or whether it's um you know depression or whether they are going through heartbreak or um a tough time in school or or whatever the situation is we as parents our job is to to constantly be pointing them back to jesus because we're not enough right we're never going to be enough right And we're gonna make mistakes over and over again. And eventually, we're probably going, they're probably gonna need Jesus because of us, right? (laughs) Right? For some mistake that we've made. Um, So it makes sense on a a biblical perspective or a scriptural or Christian perspective to constantly be inserting Jesus into the equation.
1: Yes. And you know, I, I think it was really important for me to realize that that truth is so freeing. Like the idea that we're not enough right is really good news. It, it is. takes all the pressure off.
0: It is. Yeah, I think that especially when you're a really young parent that you're constantly fighting the fear of screwing up. You know, like oh my gosh, I'm going to really mess up and I'm not enough and I'm going to do this wrong and I'm messing up this kid and but if you if you realize the truth is that yeah you're you're not enough and you're gonna screw up. I think I think it was Brennan Manning who said something like um something to the effect of um we're a lot more surprised with our mistakes than Jesus ever is which when I read that in his I think it was the Ragamuffin gospel that he said that I was like oh that is so Relieving. That's such a relief because, yeah, why am I more surprised that I'm going to screw up than Jesus is? He already knows. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he's got it. It's it's fine. Um, so what what was your takeaway from the book that you feel like you're, um, you are applying or want to apply? Yeah. Well, I'm only, like, <clears throat> a couple chapters in. But so far,
1: I already have a takeaway of. I know that I want to use a dialogue where i help my child to identify worry thoughts um you know whatever phrase we choose to use or whatever so if i hear them say something and i can tell okay this is anxiety creeping and this is worry this Mm -hmm. isn't something that they have to think about this idea of saying okay so do you think those are worry thoughts or like logic thoughts and depending on their age, it gives you different ideas of how to tailor it. But mm-hmm. for my child's age, this would work. So mm-hmm. does those, do those seem like worry thoughts or logic thoughts? And the book was talking about how kids are such experts at wanting to make choices and be in charge and compare things. And, ooh, what's the better decision? Do mm-hmm. I want the chocolate ice cream or the vanilla? And what's the benefit? And
0: what's Which the... we already know is huge in parenting because of yes. the Danny Silk loving our kids on purpose. Yes. Choice, 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 choice. They love it. They love making choices. choices.
1: So this idea of saying child of mine, (laughs) this sounds like a worry thought or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, this you know, is this a worry thought or a logical thought? Mm -hmm. And then, okay, so what are the good things about thinking that, you know, is that likely to happen or not so likely to happen? Mm -hmm. Um, is it, does it make you feel, safe to think these thoughts or not safe to think these thoughts? Mm-hmm. You know, do you think that Jesus needs you to think about this or does he have this under control? Is this even possible? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's impossible. Yeah. Um, most of the time, even <clears throat> if it's not impossible, it's improbable. Right. And so, hey, you get to make the choice. Do you want to spend your time and your energy and your emotions thinking about this or do you want to ask Jesus to help us think of something
0: else? So basically... We're taking our thoughts captive right and making them obedient to Christ exactly right? so so it's just another way of deciding that we get to choose the 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 path that we allow our thoughts to go down right so you know we often don't realize that we kind of allow and I think um, it was Brother Lawrence, if, if you've ever read um, Brother Lawrence's letters, where he talks about how we just, our mind, we just kind of let our mind do whatever it wants. And, you know, biblically, we're taught to take every thought captive, but we just don't stop and do that on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, it's like we, we allow... Our thoughts to enslave us a lot of the time. Uh, We may not have control, or maybe not yet have control. I don't have control over this. The thoughts that kind of pop in. Right. But I get to decide if they can stay. Right. And Jesus does give me that strength and ability. Right. And, you know, I love, we have a wonderful pastoral counselor at our church. And one of the things that he always says is that, you build your spiritual muscles just like you build your physical muscle right and so the more that we practice this idea of making it leave the stronger that spiritual muscle gets mm-hmm. and i see it practically being truth right so i think it's so cool when we're you know reading these books or learning things yep. in ministry or just in life and parenting and you see where the bible and the word and the things that the lord has taught line up with the science and the information right. and all the things that we're learning. Like right. there's nothing new under the sun. Right, exactly. And so it's
0: such confirmation. <laughs> Sorry, he's a little it is. It is a lot of confirmation. A and it's I mean, even um some of the, the epigenetic studies that have been around where they're finding that um traumatic events actually are imprinted on our DNA. And passed through generations, which, you know, when, when the Bible talks about um, generational curses and blessings and things like that. I mean, so basically we're finding through the study of epigenetics that that's a thing. Right. <laughs> that is totally it's, true. It's actually true. <laughs> um, it just doesn't call it the same. It doesn't call it the study of epigenetics. And right. um, so, yeah, I, I think that, um, I think it's... You know, I wish that I had known these things at our kids' age, you know? I mean, can you imagine where we would be if we had the tools that we're able to give them now?
1: But then you think ahead and you can think of your future grandkids and the future generations and, you know, this is great. Yeah. We are, we are definitely making progress and, um and it's it's really cool to see. Yeah. Gets me jacked up.
0: Yeah. And I get I get excited when I see you walking through it because I know, you know, the truth is that whatever the Lord allows in our life, whatever the Lord allows us to walk through, he's going to then bring purpose mm. from that. So I know that you know, you are going to have the opportunity at some point to help someone else out who's going through those same things, um, in a way that other people can't, who haven't gone through those things. So that in itself is a blessing. Um, what do you feel like your biggest takeaway has been from, you know, dealing with a child who has significant anxiety? Um, what do you feel like your, your biggest takeaway has been?
1: Um I don't know if this is the biggest, but what comes to mind right away is just patience um, it's not It's not the short road, but when you look back over it you know over the year over the months, over the years, um, you see just the tremendous things that the lord's done and and that child of mine in particular, his relationship with the Lord is incredible yeah. and so you know even though. I obviously wouldn't have wished anxiety to be something that he struggled with. The fact that it was has been a tremendous blessing in many ways. Um, he has such a deep understanding of the Lord and, mm-hmm. and so much trust. And he attributes so much of what happens in his life yeah, to the Lord. Um, so that's really special. So, you know, like what you're saying, it's, it's not that god makes, makes bad things
0: happen right but man the way he uses them is something to behold well i know that's something that even you experienced because like when you were were pregnant yes with um your third you had such significant anxiety during that time that you would stay up hours at night and you spent that time praying yeah and um because of that you felt so incredibly connected to the Lord even though it really stunk (laughs) that you were dealing with anxiety you were walking through this season of closeness with the Lord yeah that was super special yeah
1: exactly it was and we can we'll probably there's no way that only one podcast will end up on anxiety right so I'm sure we'll get more into it but but it was, you know, if, if any of you have ever struggled with that type of anxiety, panic attacks, um, where you just know you can't go to the ER because there's nothing they're going to do for you right. other than look at you like you're nuts. Right. And so here I was, like, hugely pregnant and feeling like I couldn't get enough breath or whatever, you know, whatever the lie is. Um, but that was a big one for me. And so, yeah, there, there was really nowhere else to go other than to the Lord. Everyone mm. else was asleep. Um it it could have been a really lonely time but when I look back on it it was a really special season and yeah. I I don't want to go back. Right.
0: But it right. was really special. It's not it's oh. not that we wish to do it again but we're thankful for what God made of it exactly. at the time. Um what would you say is your biggest takeaway from so far? I mean obviously you're only in a couple chapters in. Yeah. Um what would you say like if someone is dealing with a child with anxiety what's your biggest takeaway? from the book so far that you feel like you can apply and someone else can apply? I think
1: so far it's that you can teach kids to be logical and practical with really big, invasive thoughts and emotions so that they can learn to self-regulate in a way that even many adults still can't do. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm impressed and excited about that idea. But
0: it it brings a lot of hope. And I've seen the difference. Mm-hmm. I I've seen the difference and and it it has yeah. been a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah. Respectively? Yeah. But at the same time, it takes it takes time right I mean it's not it's not a super quick fix right
1: but you know the Lord in his grace I find with me and maybe it's just with me because he knows that it's what I can do yeah. <laughs> what I can handle um, it's like there comes this point and then there's this quick fix turnaround temporary band-aid something right that gets us through right when I'm at right. the point of I can't take it anymore right. Um, so yeah, that glimpse like, of hope. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Right. Like what happened with him? Remember? Mm-hmm. Talk about that because that was amazing. Remember? Oh, yeah. Okay. So,
1: um, it was a girl's night out and I was, um, with Tammy and Chriselle, who's here and we're sitting and talking about how much, um, this child of mine is, is worrying and struggling specifically with me being away um any time that i would go anywhere it was extremely stressful for them and age wise it didn't really make a lot of logical sense yeah, yeah. um and it kind of seemed to spike out of nowhere like this wasn't a child who struggled with separation anxiety even as a baby right. so it was really odd um we're talking about it and i start realizing that there was and i don't remember exactly what I don't it was either. But,
0: what, but, but there was an agreement there was an
1: agreement that yeah. i had made and so the the idea of an agreement is that you know, sometimes, kind of like what we touched on before, where you own something that that doesn't need to be yours. And right. so I realized that there had been an agreement made. Um, an agreement can sound something like, my kids aren't safe if I'm not with them. Right. Or, um, I'm the only one who can comfort them. Right. Um, something like that. And so, you know, usually with an agreement, in our experience, the Lord brings something to mind, and then you just kind of speak out. Um, I break this agreement. I break this agreement. Yeah. And, so, Jesus, and it's important right? to say it. Right. right, like the word, yeah. the, the Lord talks a lot about the word, the tongue, right. the, the power yeah. in that. And so, you know, we speak it out loud, and we say, in the name of Jesus, I break agreement with the lie that, and then right. we name the lie. Right. And then we ask the Lord, okay, well, what's the <laughs> truth? Because right you know scripture talks about cleaning things out and right. then filling them back up right we don't want to leave things
0: empty we don't so want to sweep the house. we don't want to sweep the house clean and then leave it empty
1: for, for all some the friends. right for all the friends <laughs> to come back right yeah so so it was just and and I love that about our girls night out because yeah. it's just a natural thing that just happens yeah. like you would like, talk about we'll slip from talking about oh. shoes and versus to, healing, to prayer. healing prayer, and like, then we're right back. to And then we're yeah, purses. right back yeah. to whatever. So so that came up, and then I you know broke agreement, and then in the name of Jesus, I choose to agree with the truth that, and then the Lord gives you a truth, the, the truth that the Lord is always with my kids, and that yeah. yes, the Lord gave me my children for a reason, and I'm important to them, but that He's enough, and that they don't depend on me for their health or comfort or survival the way that they depend on the Lord, um, whatever it is. So so anyway, we walked through that. Uh, no big deal for us. Uh, par and for we the course. So went right on about. Out. Yeah, we went right yeah. back
0: to whatever we were doing.
1: And when I got home, um, that child came up to me and said something like, I don't know what you did while you were gone, but I felt something shift. Something changed. Something changed. And I think I'm doing a lot better. Yeah. And since then, they have not really asked me, like, when I'm going to be back, when I leave. Yeah, um, it's not I've like it fixed a things.
0: Change. It, it didn't fix everything. Right. But the shift was significant. Yes. And the hope was huge, was huge. Right. (laughs) Like the hope for, for him and for you. Yes. Yeah.
1: Here I was Was, at my wits end. Right. Hanging out with my girlfriends, like guys, I'm going to lose it. it. Right. And then,
0: um, and, and 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 him too. Like he was at his wits end too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. No. And it's no fun for anyone. No fun. And when you can't, when you don't feel like you can help it. How frustrating is that? Yeah. Yeah. But to come home to him saying something happened and, and to know that when you're not even together, mm -hmm. you can pray and something happens in the spiritual realm when you're not even together that completely shifts the trajectory of the way things are going is huge. Yeah. Just huge. When
1: you see things happen, when you see the power and you see the change, it's just really exciting. So... Yeah, that was huge. Thanks, Thanks for huge. money. That was <laughs> huge.
0: Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. And I think at the time because you were in such a place where you needed that hope and so did he. Right. You know, there was such a huge hit and shift and then that that injection of hope. Yep. Got And then guys. you know, and
1: then when when all that's done, you settle down and and your hope is restored, and you're not, you're not quite so
0: drained, and then you do the work. Right, and I think that's how it is with our, our normal spiritual life, right? Because isn't it, wouldn't it be nice if everything happened miraculously? But the truth is, sanctification, that, that progression of holiness that we are supposed to be working on on a day-to-day basis, is work right it's it's some it's a discipline it's something that we submit ourselves to on a daily basis yeah. and so yes there are times when the lord comes in and interjects with with miraculous hope yeah. and then there's a part of it that we do ourselves because we we need to do the work we need right. to put in the work yeah with there's, Jesus, there's good
1: work that God prepared in advance for us to do. Exactly, exactly, right. <laughs> there are plans. There are things that right. we get to participate exactly, in. Exactly, and and it's a blessing. The work that we get to do is the kind of work that leaves you feeling really full. Right,
0: right. And so. it's and it's like, you know, we're invited to get to do them with Him, to participate with Him, which in which in turn deepens our relationship with Him in the process too yeah
1: and with each other
0: and with each other exactly yeah all right well i guess we should probably go we'll find our kids Let's go find, <laughs> go our, find kids. our kids and see what they're doing um thanks for joining us i hope that you enjoyed spending some time with us on girls night out the morning version <laughs> um and we hope to see you again thanks